1: See how
0: Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is the Joe Pomp Show. The Las Vegas Golden Knights just beat the Florida Panthers in five games to win their first ever Stanley Cup. And the remarkable part is that Vegas reached the mountaintop of the NHL in just six seasons of existence. So today we'll look at the business behind the Golden Knights including how the organization built a consistent contender from scratch and why their valuation has doubled from $500 million to $1 billion virtually overnight. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. All right, so the most logical place to start this conversation is in 2015, Bill Foley submitted a bid to bring an NHL expansion franchise to Las Vegas. And many people questioned whether ice hockey would ever work in the Nevada desert. You got to remember, this was before the Las Vegas Raiders moved from Oakland into a new $2 billion state-of-the-art facility near the Las Vegas Strip. And despite Nevada having a population of more than 3 million people, the state had just 1,382 registered hockey players, and only 40% of those players, call it 550 players, were 18 years or younger. Hockey was essentially non existent in Nevada at the time. But Bill Foley didn't care what people thought. He committed a $500 million expansion fee and made a bold, inspiring promise playoffs in three, cup in six. And that's precisely what the Vegas Golden Knights have done six years later. They're now one of the NHL's most lucrative markets, selling out games every single night. And they have watched their valuation increase from $500 million in 2017 to $1 billion today. But I want to give you some background on Bill Foley and the team in general. So Bill Foley grew up on a ranch in Texas and was eventually commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Air Force after attending the United States Military Academy. He then became a corporate lawyer, founded title insurance company Fidelity National Financial, and later invested in wineries, golf courses, hotels, ski resorts, steakhouses, fast food restaurants and auto parts manufacturers. He's essentially done everything you could possibly imagine from an investment perspective. And over the course of those deals and companies that he's built, he has established a $1.6 billion net worth today. But Bill Foley also spent some time in Canada growing up. His dad was in the military also and was stationed in Ottawa. And that's where Bill Foley Foley fell in love with essentially pond hockey at the time, which is especially interesting because he's a kid from a ranch in Texas. So Bill Foley gets rich. And in 2012, he wants to buy the NFL's Jacksonville Jaguars. He ends up losing out on that bid. Shad Khan ends up buying the team in 2012. And Bill Foley decides to shift his focus. He wants to now bring an NHL expansion team to Las Vegas. So he works for several years doing this. But again, Las Vegas wasn't an obvious choice for an NHL expansion team. Sure, there were already 2.3 million people living in the Las Vegas area, making it the most populated metro area in the country without a professional sports team at the time. Again, 2.3 million people were living in Las Vegas at the time, which made it the most populated metro area in the entire country without a professional sports team. But many sports leagues at the time, they they simply just like feared combining professional sports with the Las Vegas betting and nightlife scene. They didn't think it would mix well. And especially kicking it off with an ice hockey team seemed like the least logical choice of all of the options, given kind of where hockey was as a sport in Nevada, especially at the time. So what happens? Bill Foley partners with a family called the Maloof family. They're a Las Vegas family that's obviously very wealthy and they own about 15% of the team today. They put together a plan to show the NHL that there's fan demand rather than just telling them there's fan demand, right? So anyone can say, hey, look at these numbers. We got this population. We think this many people are going to come. Here's our projections. Now, Bill Foley said, we're not going to do that. We're going to go and show the NHL that there will be demand for this team. So the perfect example is in 2015 when Bill Foley and the Malou family launched a campaign called Vegas Wants Hockey. Now, the point of this program was fairly simple. They just wanted to go get season tickets. And this program, they went around knocking on doors, talking to business owners, talking to individuals, talking to families, holding, you know, campaign drives, whatever it is. And they generated 15,000 season tickets in just one year. So deposits for season tickets, 15,000 of them were generated in the first year of this campaign. And 11,000 of those deposits came from non-casino sources. And the reason why that's important is because it showed the NHL executives that there was a true local fan desire for the team, not just a corporate one. Right, so again, fifteen thousand season ticket deposits they got in one year under this campaign, and the important part to remember is that these people in these businesses were committing to season tickets with absolutely no guarantee that the NHL would award them the league's thirty-first expansion team. But more importantly, the NHL's potential Las Vegas expansion team would be playing its games in the new seventeen thousand five hundred seat T-Mobile Arena, and I'm not you know a big public bath guy, but you know. If you back into the numbers here, 15,000 season tickets committed in the 17,500-seat arena, that means Las Vegas had more than 85% of its season ticket capacity filled before a puck would even drop. So 85% of the stadium would be filled on day one, years before the team even even had a commitment to have a franchise in Las Vegas. And obviously, that's important. Obviously, that makes a big certainty for the league that it's going to be successful. And I want to read you a quote from Commissioner Gary Bettman of what he told the Las Vegas Review-Journal when they finally awarded the team. He said, the Las Vegas market was intriguing. The worldwide reputation in it was appealing, and it's a city that was ready for major league sports. But I can't overstate the importance of the season ticket drive, which got everyone's attention. It demonstrated there's a community that is ready and willing to support the NHL. So what do they do? Commissioner Bettman and the other 30 NHL owners granted Las Vegas via a unanimous 30 to zero vote, the league's 31st expansion team over Quebec City. Las Vegas gets awarded the team. They're the 31st franchise in the NHL. Majority owner, Bill Foley, goes out during the press conference and says essentially what every new owner would say. He said lines like, we're going to establish a culture of winning. We're going to have a team that Las Vegas can be proud of. We're going to put in a system where we can consistently win, you know, Blah, 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 blah. He says all the stuff you would typically imagine. But the Las Vegas Golden Knights' early success is primarily because of two things. First, Foley hired good people and essentially got out of the way. He hired George McPhee as president of hockey operations, or who's now president of hockey operations. McPhee had spent 17 years leading the Washington Capitals to 10 playoff appearances, seven division titles, and one Stanley Cup. And Foley let him be in charge of essentially all the key hires, including scouts, coaches, and later appointed general manager Kelly McCrinnick. Here's a direct quote from Foley when he told ESPN. He said, it was about putting the right people in place in our hockey operations department. We were prepared. I can tell you that. But secondly, the NHL did something unique that not many people outside of maybe the traditional hockey world are talking about. They essentially changed the way that expansion draft rules worked of past. And again, there hadn't been an expansion team in a while. So it's not like they were creating anything that was necessarily unfair, but they wanted these teams to develop talent and get talent immediately and not spend you know a decade or two trying to build out their roster. So what do they do? Under the old expansion draft rules, Vegas would only have access to really the four worst players on every NHL team. Now, there's a bunch of different complicated rules and scenarios of how these things play out, but that's the easiest way to break it down. Vegas would have only had access to the four worst players on every NHL team. Other NHL rosters. So they could go to all the other teams and they had access to the four worst players. But with the new rules, the Golden Knights, again, there's a bunch of different things that go into this, but in the simplest terms, they could draft the eighth best forward on a team, the fourth best defenseman, or the second best goalie. Okay. So again, they could draft the eighth best forward, the fourth best defenseman, or the second best goalie from each team. And with a fresh salary cap to work with, the Golden Knights joined the Toronto Arenas in 1918 and the St. Louis Blues in 1968 as the NHL's only teams to advance to the Stanley Cup Final in their inaugural season. Again, they went out, they had a good plan in place to get kind of this misfit bunch of people that were not the top people on their own teams, but they had a fresh salary cap to work with and they made a number of moves and they got in the Stanley Cup their first season, which made them the third team in NHL history that was able to do this. Now, of course, many of you probably know this already, but Las Vegas lost its first Stanley Cup Final appearance to the Washington Capitals. I think it was in five games. But that forced them to make significant changes over the following five years. The Golden Knights promoted executives like George McPhee to team president and Kelly McCrinnon to general manager. They added key players like Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, and Jack Eichel. And they hired and fired multiple coaches, eventually finalizing a deal with Bruce Cassidy just eight days after the Boston Bruins fired him. And the results were magic. Las Vegas won their division under Cassidy with a record 51-22-9 record, 111 points. Their goaltender, Aiden Hill, who was acquired from the Sharks in an August 2022 trade, started 14 games in the 2023 playoffs and had a playoff-leading 932 save percentage. And the Golden Knights finished the year as the first NHL team since 1984 to win the Stanley Cup in their first six years of existence. So again, year one, they lost the Stanley Cup final to the Washington Capitals. Year two, they lost in the first round of the San Jose Sharks. Year three, they lost in the conference finals to the Dallas Stars. Year four, they lost semifinals to the Montreal Canadiens. Year five, they didn't make the playoffs. And year six, this year, they won the Stanley Cup final four to one against the Florida Panthers. So again, over those years, it made a number of moves between hiring key executives, firing and rehiring coaches, offseason additions, the Jack Eichel trade, et cetera. And they win the Stanley Cup this year. And while many people commonly like to say, I hear it all the time, that winning doesn't matter when it comes to the business of sports franchises. Hey, Michael Jordan just sold the Hornets for a $3 billion valuation, despite being one of the NBA's worst owners, right? They only made the playoffs three times, did the fifth worst winning percentage, and he sold this team for $3 billion. Amazing, great. But the Las Vegas Golden Knights have significantly capitalized on their winning from a financial perspective over the last six years. And I'll explain what I mean. All right, everyone, quick interruption from today's episode to talk about the sponsor of this podcast. ButcherBox. I've been ordering from ButcherBox for a few years now, and it's the single best solution i found to save time while guaranteeing the quality of your food. Everyone probably knows what ButcherBox is, but they deliver 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, humanely-raised pork, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep. It's literally that easy, and it tastes incredible. So ditch the butcher lines today and guarantee the freshness of your meat with ButcherBox. And here's the best part. If you sign up today, ButcherBox is offering all of my listeners two pounds of ground beef for free every time they order over the next year. Let me say that again, two pounds of ground beef every time you order over the next year you get for free. So go to butcherbox.com slash Joe Pomp and use code Joe Pomp, all caps, Joe Pomp at checkout to get that discount today. The Vegas Golden Knights, they're already doing $200 million in annual revenue, which comes out to about $64 million in operating profit. That's amazing. That's more than big teams like the Bruins, the Boston Bruins, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Washington Capitals. Already in year six of their team, they're doing $200 million of annual revenue and $64 million of operating profit. One of the best run teams in the NHL. Now, some of this, of course, comes from national media rights and team-specific sponsorship deals with companies like Caesars, Coca-Cola, Geico, Lexus, you know, a bunch of other ones, MGM, et cetera. But winning has also played a huge part too. The Golden Knights routinely sell past 100% of their 17,500 seating capacity at T-Mobile Arena. And the way this works, right, is so about 17,500 people can fit in the arena, but via standing room only tickets and other flexible seating options like luxury suites and stuff like that, they routinely, their average attendance over the last four or five years, every single year has been over 18,000 fans. So they're over 100% capacity. It's like 104, 105% capacity. They sell out. Every single year, they're averaging about 750,000 people are coming to their games on an annual basis. They're one of the most popular teams in the NHL from an attendance perspective. But more importantly, with the Golden Knights making the playoffs five out of their first six years, the team has also taken advantage of the NHL's generous playoff ticket revenue sharing policy. So I don't know how many of you remember a few weeks ago or I guess a couple of months ago at this point, I broke down how revenue sharing works for each of the major four sports leagues in the United States from a playoff perspective. The NBA is the most generous. They give a large percentage. It's like 70, 75% of the ticket revenue to the teams and the league keeps the other percent the NHL is the second most generous league out of all the major sports leagues. That's because NHL teams get to keep 65% of playoff ticket revenue. And with ticket revenue accounting for 44% of the NHL's total annual revenue, the 20% to 100% markup that teams typically charge during the playoffs makes a huge difference. Now, this is such an important point that I think it's worth taking a second to explain in simple terms. So again, The NHL teams, they have smaller media rights, the league, than the NFL, the NBA, MLB, etc. So they make a lot of money. 44% of their total annual revenue for the league comes from ticket sales alone. That's drastically higher on a percentage basis than any of the other major sports leagues in the United States. So the fact that the teams get to keep 65% of playoff ticket revenue is a huge deal because it makes up a huge part of their bottom line from an operating profit or loss standpoint. For example, in 2022... The 16 NHL teams that made the playoffs that year, they generated $200 million in additional revenue. Those teams, those 16 teams collectively combined, made $200 million in additional revenue through that playoff run. Obviously, the teams that go the deepest in the playoffs that have the most home games are making the most money because they sell more tickets, the prices go up as the rounds go up, and they keep 65% of that money. So if you want to talk about, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights, they made more money than anyone else during the playoffs this year because they won the Stanley Cup because they had all these home games. They won the cup on ice at home. Ticket prices were expensive. So if you look at the revenue for the Vegas Golden Knights over the years, in 2018, they did $180 million in annual revenue. It's actually kind of sat idle for the last few years. It was 167 in 2019, 156 in 2020, so it went down a couple of years in a row. Then it was 76 during COVID in 2021. And then last year, it was 198, record a year for the Vegas Golden Knights. This year, it's going to be even higher. It's absolutely going to be even higher. The playoffs are a huge part of that. And from an operating income perspective, this is straight up profit. This is straight up profit. In 2018, they made $53 million in operating profit. That was the most they had ever done until last year when they made $64 million in operating profit. My guess is this year, it's going to be even higher. And the most impressive part about this entire thing is the team's valuation. That's how we measure it, right? Wins and losses are great, but from a valuation perspective, that's what we care about in business. They were valued at $500 million. That's what the expansion fee was. So Forrest valued them at $500 million in 2017. The team was last valued at $965 million last year. So from six years, they went from $500 million to $965 million. And they will absolutely, most certainly push past $1 billion in valuation in 2023 after a record-breaking revenue, operating profit, and Stanley Cup winning season. But more importantly, the Golden Knights have helped turn Las Vegas into one of the world's preeminent sports destinations. The city has since attracted NFL, MLB, and WNBA franchises, and they have secured multiple events, from the NFL Draft and Super Bowl to a Formula One Grand Prix and a men's Final Four. And the success of the Vegas Golden Knights certainly had a lot to do with that. All right, everyone, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode breaking down how the Vegas Golden Knights became a $1 billion sports franchise in just six years. I hope everyone has an amazing day and we'll talk on Wednesday. Okay, here's how Miro works. See,
1: it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another hundred meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board.
0: See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more? Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com.